Thank you for stopping by to check out this week's message as we begin the new series studying the life of Jonah. There is so much more to Jonah's life than just the incident he had with the whale. So let's prepare our hearts as we get our first look into Jonah's life through the subject of Trey's message, Escaping Your Calling. If you would, take a copy of God's Word and make your way to the book of Jonah. Jonah in the Old Testament. And go ahead and swallow your pride right now if you need to. And use a table of contents at the front of your Bible. If you don't know exactly where Jonah is, it's very easy to miss in the Old Testament. It's only four short chapters. So very easily overlooked and passed by if you're not sure where it is. Uh, then just go ahead and use that little cheat sheet that God gave us in the front of His Word uh, so that we would have a guide to find the seemingly obscure books and passages that we don't so easily recognize in His Word. So find your way to Jonah. And over the next few weeks, we're going to take an in-depth look at the life of this man named Jonah. And what I hope you'll find is that there's more to Jonah's life than just the whole incident with the whale. Uh, Jonah was a prophet of God. He was a man called to hear and receive the word of God and then deliver it to the people. Jonah was a Jew, a uh, part of God's chosen people, and actually he was quite the popular guy during his time. Uh, that was not the case uh, many times in the Old Testament with the prophets of God because oftentimes they were given the task of delivering harsh news to the people. Uh, but Jonah's message was one of compassion and restoration, so he was quite the popular guy amongst the Israelites, and he was a first-hand witness of that restoration and God's compassion to his own people. Jonah's name actually means dove, which in Scripture can be a symbol of peace, but it can also be a symbol of silliness and senseless, which both would apply to Jonah's life. But one particular thing you will find to be true about Jonah is that in a lot of ways, he was just a backwards dude. His life, his responses and his reactions, his attitude and his perspective were just so many times backwards in a lot of ways. So let's dive into Jonah's life and you can begin to see what I'm talking about. In Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 1, the Word of God says this, Now the Word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. So often in the church we talk about accepting your calling. In other words, being obedient to whatever it is that you feel God has called you to, whether that be a teacher or a counselor, a nurse or a doctor, a missionary or a minister, whatever it is, accept that as your calling and be obedient to it. And here God has called Jonah as a prophet to go and preach to the city of Nineveh. Nineveh. <laughs> Nineveh. Squeeze me. But I told you Jonah was a backwards guy. And so tonight, using Jonah as an example, I kind of want to give you a backwards message. Instead of talking to you about accepting your calling, I want to speak to you from the subject of escaping your calling. 
Instead of Jonah accepting his calling from God, he's trying to escape it. Like many people I feel are still doing today. I feel like the church is full of people that instead of accepting God's call on their life, they're busy trying to escape it. And they spend their life running from the very thing that God has called them to do. I know people personally that I feel like I've spent their life running from God's calling and instead of accepting it, they've been trying to escape it. And that may be some of you here tonight. That's what Jonah's doing. God has put this call on Jonah's life to go and preach to the city of Nineveh. And instead of accepting that call, Jonah decides he's going to try to escape that call. And the first step he takes in that process is that he rebels. Jonah rebels. In the verses that we just read, we see that God gives Jonah directions to go to the city of Nineveh and call them to repentance. That's what a prophet of God was to do. That was a part of his responsibility, as a part of fulfilling his calling as a prophet of God, was to preach a message of repentance to those who were lost and in need of faith. But instead of being obedient and going, Jonah rebels and he runs. And he decides to run to the city of Tarshish, which geographically was in the exact opposite direction of where Nineveh was. So Jonah does a complete 180 to go in the opposite direction of where God has called him to. And that's what rebellion is, essentially. Rebellion is running in the opposite direction of where and what God has called you to. So if you need a basic definition of rebellion tonight, there it is. If you wonder if you have rebellion in your life, if you're rebelling against what God has called you to, then take a look at your life and ask yourself, am I running in the opposite direction of what and where God has called me to? Because that's what Jonah was doing. And that's always the first step when it comes to escaping your calling as you rebel against it. And Jonah is rebelling against God's calling in his life here. And you know, it would be safe and even, I think, fair to say that Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because of fear. Because there's some things that you need to understand about the Ninevites is that they were wicked, wicked, wicked people. They were true enemies of Israel. True enemies of Jonah and his people. The Ninevites were so wicked that as an intimidation factor, out in front of the gates of their city, people that they had conquered and defeated in war and kept as prisoners, they would skin them and impale them on posts and stick them in the ground outside the gates of the city as an intimidation factor to anyone who would try to challenge them. Wicked, wicked, nasty people. So I think it would be fair to say and give Jonah the benefit of the doubt that one reason why he didn't want to go to Nineveh was because he was afraid. And ultimately, I think Jonah hated those people for who they were, for how they acted, and for the crimes that they had committed, and for the profanities that they spoke out against the one true God, Yahweh. But when I look at verse 3, it tells me a different story for why Jonah didn't go to Nineveh. Verse 3 makes it clear that Jonah's primary reason for running wasn't to get away from the place of Nineveh. It was to get away from the presence of God. 
So go back and look at verse 3, and God's word says, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Was Jonah scared to go to Nineveh just because of their reputation? Possibly. But that would be an assumption that we would have to make. The only details, the true details that Scripture gives us as to why Jonah was running was because he wasn't scared of the place of Nineveh. He just didn't want to be in the presence of God. And when you're in the process of trying to escape your calling, you need to understand that ultimately it's not the place but the presence of the one calling you that you're actually running from. The text wouldn't lead us to believe that it was the place that ultimately led to Jonah fleeing. The text teaches us that it's God's presence that Jonah was fleeing from. Three times in verse 3, we see that Jonah is headed for Tarshish. Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He went down into it to go with them to Tarshish. And I'm reading this earlier, and I'm like, okay, God, we, we get the point. Like, Jonah's going to Tarshish. If you don't learn or grasp anything else tonight, for some reason in God's Word, He wants you to understand that Jonah's going to Tarshish. Is anybody confused about where Jonah is going right now? Because you shouldn't be. Three times in one verse, God's Word tells us Jonah is going to Tarshish. Why the repetitiveness? Why would he continue to repeat that? Why does he want to drive that detail Home, because in other words, he wants us to see that Jonah is committing to doing the exact opposite of what God has called him to. Three times he pulls it out to show just how committed Jonah is to doing the opposite of what God is calling him to do. It's funny, isn't it, that when Jonah decided to rebel and run, he found everything that he needed in place. Did you notice? The moment Jonah decided he was going to flee from the presence of the Lord, he goes down to the harbor and what does he do? He finds a boat. But he doesn't just find a boat. He finds a boat that's going in the exact direction and to the exact destination that he wanted to go to. So Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish. And when he gets to the harbor, lo and behold, he finds a boat. And once he asks them where they're going, holy crap, they're going to Tarshish. And then, just to add on to it even more, he digs in his pocket and he's like, hey guys, how much for a ride? And they give him the amount and he says, what do you know, i got just enough to cover it. Don't you find that odd? Don't you find that funny? Don't you find that a little bit coincidental, listen to me, the enemy doesn't want you to live out the calling that God has placed on your life. So if you're content and committed to run from it, then he will be more than satisfied to accommodate your escape. Huh? You better believe it. 
If you're content and committed to escape the calling that God has placed upon your life, then you better believe that your enemy is more than satisfied to accommodate your escape plan. You think it's an accident? Jonah found exactly what he was hoping to find when he fled from the presence of God. It's no accident. It's the enemy at work saying, fine, buddy, hey, you want to run from the presence of God? Here's your boat. You want to go to Tarsus? Here's your boat that's going to Tarsus. You need some financial help along the way? Here you go. Jonah's in rebellion. And so he gets on the boat. And we see the second step that he takes in escaping his calling, and that's that once he gets on that boat, he becomes extremely relaxed. So Jonah is rebelling, and now Jonah is relaxing. Look at verse 4. Jonah's gotten on the boat, and here we go. We're taken out to sea. God's word continues. It says, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. So the ship takes off from the harbor and begins to make its way towards, you got it, Tarshish. And that's when God sends the storm. And it's so fierce that these men were afraid that the ship was going to be torn apart. So they begin crying out to their pagan gods, throwing the cargo overboard. They were doing everything that they could to survive. They were literally fighting for their lives at this point. And in the meantime, Jonah is below deck, snoozing. The text says that he was fast asleep. Has anybody ever been deep sea fishing before? Have you ever attempted to try to sleep on that boat? Many of them have beds below the deck. Uh, when I was a teenager, we went on a deep sea fishing trip one time, and it was a long ride out, man. It took us like four hours to get out there, and you fish all day, and it's hot, and the sun's beating down on you. So on the way back in, that four-hour boat ride, man, it just felt good to lay down. I thought, shoot, I'll go lay down on that bed, and I'll go to sleep, and I'll wake up, and we'll be back just like that. Do you know how hard it is to sleep on a boat, especially one that's in a sea? It's got gigantic waves, and you're beating, and you're bouncing, and it's loud. It was next to, I, would, I didn't even come close to falling asleep, and that was in good weather. Jonah's asleep beneath the deck of the boat with a storm going on that is so intense, these guys are thinking, we're dead, man. They're throwing stuff overboard. They're calling out to the pagan gods, thinking this ship is going to break apart, and we're going to drown, and Jonah is asleep. He's completely unaware of what has taken place around him. And he's in such a deep state of sleep that it takes the captain going down there and physically shaking him, saying, Dude, wake up, you idiot! Don't you know what's going on? Pray to your God. Do something productive. Get up here and help us row. Throw some stuff overboard. I don't know, but get out of the bed. We're dying. This kind of deep sleep, I feel, usually only comes as a result of two conditions. One of two conditions. Or sometimes a combination 
of the two. And the first one is complete exhaustion. Where you've worked so hard for so long that you just collapse and shut down. Have you ever been to that point to where you're just like complete exhaustion? It doesn't even matter if you were a good sleeper or not. By the time you got down to a bed or a couch or just any kind of flat surface period, the moment your head hit that pillow, it was over with. I mean, there was no waking you up. That kind of deep sleep that comes from just complete exhaustion. I think Jonah was exhausted. I think Jonah was exhausted because what I found to be true is that it takes more effort to escape your calling than to, es to accept it. It takes more effort to escape it than to accept it. So I think Jonah's exhausted from all the work that he has put in just trying to get away from God's presence. Just trying to escape the calling that he's placed upon his life. And so he's exhausted as he goes down to the ship and he just passes out. Listen, guys, if we put forth half as much effort into accepting whatever God has called us to, instead of putting that effort towards trying to escape it, we would find that there's no ceiling to the level with which He could use our lives for His glory. But we're more content to waste our energy and put forth all our efforts into escaping that calling instead of accepting it. And so I think Jonah was exhausted. But that's not necessarily the part that bothers me. Because there's a second condition that I think will lead you into this kind of a deep sleep, and that's complete peace. A kind of deep sleep that you enter into because you're at peace. In other words, you have no fear. You feel safe. You're comfortable. And so once you lie down, it allows your mind to be at rest to where there are no cares, there are no worries, there are no stresses, there are no anxieties, and so you just drift on off to sleep and to rest. And just like I feel like Jonah was exhausted, I also feel like Jonah was at peace. But not the good kind of peace. Not the peace like a river, not the peace that surpasses all understanding. But a different kind of peace. A peace that was comfortable with something that we should never be comfortable with in our lives. A peace that says I'm okay with the lack of God's presence. Because you see, an almost identical thing happened to Jesus and the disciples in Matthew chapter 8. Starting in verse 23. I mean, it's, it's eerie how similar the account is. And so let me just read it to you real quick. And it says, and when he got into the boat, he being Jesus, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, but he was asleep. Sound familiar? And they went and woke him, saying, save us, Lord, we are perishing. So it sets up almost exactly the same. Jesus gets in the boat with his disciples and they set out to sea and he goes below the deck and he's asleep. In the meantime of Jesus sleeping, this storm blows up and it's so fierce and it's so strong. The disciples are thinking, the ship's going to tear apart. And so they run down below the deck and they shake Jesus and say, Jesus, 
Wake up, we're going to die. Don't you care if we're perishing? And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Oh, you of little faith. Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? You see, Jesus slept in the midst of the storm because he was in control. But Joseph, Jonah slept in the middle of the storm because he was comfortable. But just because you're comfortable doesn't mean that you're in control. So God sends the storm, I think, to remind Jonah that you aren't in control, Jonah. You can't calm the storm. You can't rebuke the waves and the wind. And by the way, I'm not okay with you being comfortable trying to escape my plan and my presence in your life. There's a difference in the storms. Sometimes God has to send the storm to increase our faith. But then there are times God has to send the storm to wake up our faith. Jonah, wake up. Jonah, wake up. I'm not okay with this. I'm not okay with you trying to escape your calling. I love you too much to just watch you ride off into the sunset when I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. Wake up because your self-created comfort is compromising your calling. How many of us are in that boat tonight? To where this self-created comfort that we have made for ourselves is in jeopardy of compromising the calling that God has placed upon your life. Is that what you want? Would we rather sacrifice our calling for our own personal comfort? Jonah would. And I feel like so many believers in the church today are making the same sacrifice. I will sacrifice my calling, Matt, for the comfort of life. Wake up! Wake up. This storm isn't about increasing faith. This storm is about waking it up. Jonah's relaxed. He's relaxed, even though there's a lack of God's presence in his life. Is that you? Is that me? I sat in my office and asked myself these questions. Number one, what am I running from? And number two, am I okay with feeling a lack of God's presence in my life? A lack of presence is a lack of power. And a lack of power and presence is a lack of impact. Jonah's relaxed. God sends a storm to him. Wake him up. Get up, Jonah. Get up. But then Jonah takes the last step in trying to escape his calling. Even now, he doesn't get it. He's rebelled. He's relaxed. And now we see how Jonah reacts. Look at verse 7. Jonah gets up and he's on the deck now. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. As you see, Jonah doesn't even have the guts yet to admit that it's his fault. And so they 
cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. (laughs) I fear the Lord. Says the guy that just had to be woken up from underneath the deck of the boat. I fear the Lord. I bet you do. But see, that's just what we'll do to cover our tracks. Oh yeah, I fear God. Oh yeah, I'm going to be, that's who I serve. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. And then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. And then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life. And lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. And so they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. And the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. When the men finally found out that Jonah was the source of their suffering, they actually asked him what they should do. Because that's what happens men and women, when you try to escape your calling. Instead of being a beacon of blessing for somebody, instead you can become a source of suffering instead. And God's chosen man, instead of having an opportunity to bring revival to a nation, instead of having an opportunity to admit his failures, even in the midst of this storm, cry out to God and beg Him to remove the storm and be a witness to these men that He was with that didn't know God, He becomes a source of suffering for them. And that's not God, that's not how God intended for us as his people to be used. When God chose the nation of Israel as his chosen race, they were to be a what? A blessing to all people. But when you try to escape the calling that God has placed upon your life, you no longer have the opportunity to be that beacon of blessing, but instead you can become a source of suffering to others around you. And Jonah's reaction is still only worried about escaping at this point because he responded in his own way. When the sailors asked him the question, Jonah, if he would have been walking with God, his response should have been to go to God and ask him what he would have him do. But instead, Jonah decides to react and Jonah decides to answer in his own way and he tells them to pick me up and hurl me into the sea. In other words, throw me overboard. You know what Jonah was doing? You know what he was trying to do? Kill himself. And I don't think I've ever necessarily seen that before in this story. Jonah was so intent on trying to escape his calling 
that he thought, if the ship won't get me away from God's presence and his plan and his calling on my life, then here's the best way. Here's the most efficient way. Here's the most effective way. Throw me overboard. I'll drown. And then I'll be done. Jonah would have rather suffered death than accept the calling that God had placed on his life. This is how far the enemy will take you if he can. I don't know what it's like to struggle with thoughts of deep depression. I don't know what it's like to struggle with thoughts of suicide, but I guarantee you that there is somebody in here that does. And if the enemy can drive you to that place, he will. If the enemy can drive you to that place where you feel like it would be better for me to end my own life than to try to live out the calling God has placed upon me, then that's what I'll do. God had a greater plan. Even in Jonah's own selfishness to try to end his life in a foolish reaction, what happened? God sends a fish. I don't know what kind of fish it was. I don't know if it was a whale. I don't know if it was megalodon. I don't know if it's some kind of dinosaur. I don't know if it's a giant squid. Something swallowed Jonah. Because God had deemed his, his life valuable. And he had a plan and a purpose for it. And he wasn't going to let Jonah just have a cop out. Just like the song we sang earlier. He's a loving father. And he loves you so much that he's not content with you just finding a cop-out to try and escape your calling. He wants you to fulfill it. He wants you to go to Nineveh. He wants you to accept it, not try to escape it. So let us not be a people who are trying to escape their calling. And you may say, well, I don't know what my calling is right now. And that's okay. That is perfectly fine. And you know what? It may change from time to time throughout your life. But are you seeking it? Because to not seek it is no different than trying to escape it. So is God calling? And if He is... Are you accepted? Thanks again for listening to the message. Our hope is that through God's word, you have been motivated to accept the calling he has placed upon your life, not escape it. Let him use your life for his glory in whatever way he desires. Make sure to tune back in next week as we continue with our second installment of Jonah.